Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Do you get asked whether you're cool with it or not before the decision's made? Um, yeah, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, for the brand exposure, all those things, it, it's a tremendous opportunity for the Cardinals. And we all understand that. It sounds like if it was your call, that you might not want to do it. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, like I said, I think it has an opportunity. We obviously struggled back after last season. It has an opportunity to come in and guys will will perk up when the camera's around. You don't want to look bad on camera. It's just kind of human nature. Easy for him to say. He always looks good on camera. For the rest of it, it takes a little bit of work. Especially when, you know, young, good-looking coach crowd over there. When you cut yourself shaving, it makes it even more difficult. I had an excuse for being... Here, just in the nick of time, pun intended, although it wasn't premeditated, I cut myself shaving and it wouldn't stop bleeding. Isn't it so weird? It just happens so fast. You're putting these sharp blades, pressing them deeply into the flesh of your face, and 99.9% of the time, it doesn't cut you. But the one time when it does, for whatever reason, however it happens, for me, it will not stop bleeding. I cannot get it to stop bleeding. In fact, I'm not 100% sure it's actually stopped bleeding. I haven't checked yet. I don't think it. Ha- I don't think it's. I, I definitely don't think it's I dripping don't even all know over where the table. It is, so I don't see anything. Okay, good. So you're good. good. Yeah, I think you'd see good. it. You know, uh, but it is. It is a modern medical miracle. I, I get it. Five five razor blades against our skin, just silky smooth. I, it is amazing. I get it. And yes, it is annoying to get cut, and then it doesn't stop bleeding, and it takes forever. What'd you do? I you feel like there's alcohol been, on it. I've, no, no, I just, I just pressed, uh, I pressed toilet paper on it. I, the old school way where you rip off the little corner of toilet paper and press it against the spot and leave it there until it hardens. That's the, the early 70s. Back in my day, when we cut ourselves shaving, we ripped off tiny little pieces of toilet paper and stuck them to the spots on our face where they were bleeding. Yes, and I've then when you pull them off, it opens the scab all over again. So it was a stupid-ass way of dealing with... Unless you were planning to leave the little pieces of toilet paper there until the wound healed completely, it was not a very wise process for stopping the bleeding on your face. I remember there was a thing called a styptic pencil. I think we've had this conversation before. It was this 
white jagged thing that like burned like crazy and uh, I, I, I don't know, know if we I, had that I've, conversation i have no idea you, what you're talking you about mentioned, that one. you mentioned you mentioned a styptic pencil styptic pencil you can styptic that pencil right up your ass with that music hey pete or whoever um i feel like there's been an snl commercial where they've done like a like 10 blades or 15 blades like how many when do they stop with the blades I, it 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 used to be a maximum. And please strength. don't play the music again. It used to be one, and then it was a big deal when it went to two. Yes, right. Then you get three. Then you get four. And yeah, I've got that one down there that is like it's like it, it, it would scare the hell out of somebody in the fifties or sixties if they saw that thing. It's like an implement of torture. What do you do with this thing with all these blades? But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, they don't they don't cut you except when they do, and then you don't stop bleeding. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Did you cut yourself shaving? I'm looking in my magic no, mirror, I did Timmy. Not. Nope. I didn't. Hello, Timmy. There's either. the styptic pencil. Look at that. Wow, look at that. Look at that. How quickly they found it. Does it say what it says? Stops bleeding fast. There you go. Stops bleeding fast. The man is distinguished. Yes, he's even old on the packaging. Yeah, Pete's right. The guy in the hey, hey, it's just old. But, but no, the message is very clear. If you want to be truly classy, you need a long coat, you need a cane, you need a top hat. And you need in your pocket of one of your various, you know, items there, the pants or the jacket, or maybe even it fits into the hat. You keep your styptic pencil. Maybe that's where that dude, Duke Earl, carries his styptic pencil under his top hat. Maybe he does. Uh, you know, this is interesting. It's coming up. I've had this conversation on the podcast a little lately. Like, the cane. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of the cane. Like, I, I think I could be one of those older guys that gets around, like, 60, 58 years old. And has like a cool fashionable cane and like some sort of hat, like a Kangol hat or something else on. I think I could do that. I think I could pull it off. I mean, what's your, what's your thought on the, the cane accessory? You know, it helps you with the walking, but more just for the cool look and like, you know, try to be distinguished and all that. I think for a guy your size, it's not a cane. It's actually a stilt Crutches. that you would be using. <laughs> uh, but I, I would definitely want, now, now you got to balance. You got to balance, and I'm closer to this than you are, but you're getting there too, Bucko. You want to balance functionality with style. Like I don't want one of those canes that sprouts into four legs with tennis balls no, at the bottom. No, I'm no, not no. going that, that, that way. That's not a right. cane. That's like you're you're on the way out and you barely can move. Yeah. That, that's, that's what that is. <laughs> I, I I I would I would I would be okay with a very uh, a very attractive yeah wooden right implement that's what that I'm i also talking could about. use i look forward to the day when i can shout to somebody eat hickory and whack them upside the head that 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 would be a benefit what are they going to do to me i'm old are they going to put me in jail because i whack somebody up the head yeah you presume that whoever got whacked upside the head deserved it maybe so, maybe uh, i don't know old people are getting beat up again here in this country so i don't up here in new york and things there's definitely been some old people that get beat up so you better watch it well well, I don't then, think the youngsters then, uh, respect their elders as much anymore. I don't think they ever did. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, maybe I'll get one of those canes that like has a button and a knife comes out the end if I really want to protect myself. Wow. Then I'll okay. be good to go. There we go. And I can shave with it. I can shave with it, and then I'll cut myself, sure. and then I'll use my styptic pencil it needs three razors under on. my top hat. Uh, all right. Um, l- let's get to Cliff Kingsbury. He didn't do any of the tells by touching his own face, but – when he 
when he answered the question about how he feels about hard knocks or whatever, I could just tell by the way he said it. He, he doesn't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it. And they sell you on it. I could tell that he had been sold on it because this is the old NFL films. This is the Steve Sable argument. Back in his day, Vince Lombardi would tell the NFL films crews to stand by the sideline with their cameras, even if they didn't have film in them and act like they were filming because the guys perked up and they tried harder when they thought they were being filmed. Right Now, that was in the 60s where nobody had cameras. Today, everybody's watching. Today, there's a camera everywhere. So I don't know that this idea, well, NFL Films is going to be there, so they're going to be on camera, so they're going to try harder. Everything's, everything's recorded. They record every practice. Cameras are everywhere. And when you're in the middle of the season, if you're stopping to worry about the cameras, you, you've already lost. And I think Kingsbury's biggest concern is, here we go, in-season hard knocks. Second straight year, they're going to have a team that fades down the stretch because – Every one of my teams since 2013 at Texas Tech and all the way through the time with the Red Raiders and every year with the Cardinals, my teams start off strong to quite strong, and then they fall apart. And I really would not rather have that documented. Can we do the first half of the season? Can we do that? I'm on board with that. Second half of the season, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with my team. I really don't need the extra pressure of being scrutinized by all these cameras as we fall apart again. That, that would be my honest, candid, blunt assessment if I was Cliff Kingsbury. And I think it doesn't take a genius to realize. There it is. There's that graphic. Can't finish. Sorry. Cliff can't finish Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Okay, that's a good nickname, Chris Berman. <laughs> Cliff can't finish Kingsbury. Look at it. Look at, look at, look at, look at yeah, the. it is. It's, it's quite it's shocking. It's embarrassing. I know. I've seen it. I know. It is. It, it, it's crazy, actually. It is in a lot of ways. And. I mean, you, you make all the right points, I think. First off, I mean, NFL teams, yes, to deal with the camera crew. And, you know, as much as they try to, you know, hide in the corner and not be in your way, they are in the way. And you are on camera. So then you are self-conscious about what you're doing. For the players, it might not be that bad. There is, I think, some positive because, you you know, I mean, you're right. You are used to being filmed. But if it's in your meeting room, you're certainly not going to want to be, like, in that lazy position where maybe your eyes doze. You're going to not want to look like an idiot and get an answer wrong in front of the camera crew. I think there is value there. But for the head coach, I, I don't see a whole lot of positives. I don't. I think there's one more chance for really, you know, kind of what you're talking about, for people to dissect and pile on a little bit if things don't go the right way. And I think that's what Cliff Kingsbury is definitely going to have to be a little bit worried about because that will be the theme of the Arizona Cardinals or what everybody's looking for, what you're talking about. Oh, it's, it's week eight. I mean, can't you hear the narrator? You know, and Cliff Kingsbury, he's had these great starts, and, and that becomes a thing. So now he's answering questions about it. And, of course, now if they do lose a game, you start to feel like, whoa, everybody's going to see this. Everybody's going to evaluate what we're doing in here. So – uh, I, I think it does add a little more pressure to the building, maybe than there than not. That's for sure. I've I've, I've uh, been a longtime fan of John Facenda. That was not that was John not a good Facenda. one. I know that I was know. that was that was John Phil Simsda. That's what that was. <laughs> who is the guy? That guy, who is? It's not who's the guy that does the HBO? He's got a great voice on uh, is HBO. Liv Schreiber? Is it still him? Is he? The I don't guy think that so. Does it? Look it up, Pete. Yeah. Pete, let us know who narrated in-season hard knocks last year. Yeah. And was it the same as the person who did the preseason hard knocks? I just can't remember. 
I know. I can't. I don't. I and I, I look. If I have to choose between preseason or in season, I'll take in season because I think it's more revealing. We've seen the training camp hard knocks over and over again. It is Liv Schreiber. Wow, so there you go. Uh, okay. there you go. So, but it's live, not leave. Is it live or leave? L I E V. So yeah, I don't know. I'm confusing. sorry. Hey, you know, Deep thoughts by listen, Mike Florio over here. Listen, they're going to ask the young kids. I, I, so wait, uh, but you I, said my, during the season, my, here's my, or preseason, like what, what you're talking about preseason. if you were a player or a coach, or are you talking about, what are you saying there? No, no, I'm just saying, I'm saying as a, as a consumer, okay, okay, the content, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, I think that in season, you know, the the cameras are stationary. It's not like they're, like they're up on the wall. It's not like somebody's in there up in your face with a camera. So I just think that when you're in the fight week in and week out, it becomes much easier to forget about it. You just have to forget I about get, it because you you're focused on the task at yeah, hand. Right. It's easier to be a distraction in training camp because you're not as locked in as you are in the season. And the Colts were locked in at 3-5 and five when they started with the in-season hard knocks last year. They won six of the next seven. Yeah. But, but uh, they still fell apart. They fell apart at the end. They still lost to the Jaguars. And the Raiders. The woeful, yeah. hapless Jaguars in Week 18 when all they had to do was beat a team that was playing for nothing with an interim coach, which was an upgrade over their regular coach. But nevertheless, all they had to do was beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville on a day when they were showing up with clown noses on because they were trying to pressure the owner of the team, Shad Khan, to not make Trent Baalke the GM. That was all happening at that time. And the Jaguars somehow won that game so that and that triggered Carson Wentz getting thrown overboard and yeah. I'm sure Jim Irsay thought about firing everybody at least for a little while after that debacle and they're still pissed off about it now so yeah hey look Kingsbury's got his contract extension so it's not like he's in lame duck territory but we saw the graphic we know the history his teams fade down the stretch so this is the year where they're going to figure it all out Think about that. Think about that. This is the year. I got to get it all figured out this year. All this pressure's on me. It's mounting. This is year 10 of me as a head coach. And I've got to figure it out this year. I've got to do it. What? You're going to have the freaking cameras? What? Really? I got, like, I really got, I really got to work. I really got to be focused. I don't want anything else on top of this pile of stress. And you're gonna have can you're gonna have hard knocks. Yeah, there. yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't want it if I was Cliff Kingsbury. No, I'm de- definitely not. You know, it's a huge year. You know, as we know for their football team. I mean, I think there's gonna be a microscope on them for sure. And I mean, to your to what you're talking about with the Colts. I mean, who's to say it didn't wear them out a little bit? It would wear me out. I could say that much as a player. I really would. I mean, I do think it's one of those things where coaches want to make excuses. They're not going to say anything, but if they're, they're with their close friends, they're going to go, man, we had to deal with that, you know, inside the, you know, hard knock stuff being around the building that kind of added to the circus last year. They're never going to publicly say it or say it to their owner or anybody like that. And then, I mean, damn, it'd wear me out. Like what you want to come home with me? Camera crew? N- no, screw off. Like it's my time now. I, that that would wear me out. I wouldn't want to deal with that. And then let alone it be a year and and like you're talking about a year where the theme is going to be, you know, second half collapse. That's going to be the story of the Cardinals. That's going to be the story of hard knocks is can they overcome that? Probably part of the reason they got picked there. You know, so yes, that's that's going to add pressure and 
take a toll on the team to a degree. And I don't care who you are. It's just, it's hard to deal with that around the building all the time. I wouldn't want to deal with it. It does weigh on you. You could say whatever you want and try to ignore it. You know, you are. And then, of course, you're always going to have a lot of time to, oh, sit down, do whatever. And as we saw last year, too, Mike, we did get a little look in to go, you know, do they like Carson Wentz? I know I was watching towards the end of the year going, I'm not sure if they have confidence in him. And the way Wentz talks to them on the sideline and, like, tries to get them to get be confident, you know, you started to glean certain things about the relationship to look farther into it. And that's what I would be worried about if I'm Kingsbury and company like you're talking about. I'd be worried about so many different things. And I want to know more about this whole in-season hard knocks because it just kind of fell out of the sky Yeah, right. last year. I remember that they, they teased there was some big announcement about hard knocks. And I thought, oh, maybe it's finally going away because it should. And no, no, we're not you. getting less of it. We're getting more of it. How do they pick the team? Is there a formula? For the training camp hard knocks, there's a formula. Any team that has a new head coach, has done it in the past decade, or had been to the playoffs the most recent year, I think it's the most recent year, not the last two years, the most recent year, they're eligible to be to be tapped on the shoulder to do hard knocks. I don't know how they figure out the in-season hard knocks, and I don't know what the benefit for the Cardinals is. What is the actual benefit? What is the perceived or real benefit is it going to create more cardinals fans i don't i think don't so. think so no yeah i'm with you i don't know if there is a benefit no, the only benefit is it to the nfl selling it entertainment not one more piece of content that we can all look at you know i did find the colts in-season thing interesting but i think it i mean this in-season thing started to started to really pop on, right? right? What was that? A few years ago with Amazon, right? When they started to do a little bit during the, all or nothing, right? All or nothing Which was excellent, I, I, right? And I feel like this is kind of like they did that, and then HBO and Hard Knocks was like, well, wait, well, let's do our in-season, and it kind of went from there. And I don't know either, but I certainly would not want it, and especially in a year like the Arizona Cardinals got a lot of pressure. De- DeAndre Hopkins dealing with PED suspension. You're gonna have to have your guy talk about that answer that that's going to be a story but that's but when is this going to start when is this going to start he's back from his suspension you're right starts in november right i think you're right you're right it's all right so i I always i always i always wonder about the deeper broadcast business relations that go on here because for amazon for all or nothing right it was a way to build a bridge to the nfl sure they, they stopped doing it during the pandemic and uh, they don't do it anymore. And, uh, you know, relationship with Amazon cemented via Thursday Night Football. HBO has been the longstanding home of hard knocks. Why expand the relationship with the NFL? What other play is potentially there between HBO and the NFL? I, I always wonder about those kinds of things when I see that relationship expanding. Because, right. I look, HBO has so much content. And there's so much NFL content out there. If I'm HBO, you really got to sell me on why I want this. Like, I got a lot of other stuff. And there's a lot of NFL stuff out there. It would be different if there wasn't NFL Network and there wasn't all these videos breaking down and access to teams and press conferences and this, that, and the other thing. There's really nothing exclusive about this. And it does quickly and easily fall into into the cracks. I mean... It, well, it, it, it gives uh, it gives fans something on Tuesday and Wednesday night, 
during that, the latter that, weeks of football season. That's, that's it. What I'll, that's what I'll, that's where I was going to kind of go. You're, you're flipping the channel. That's where I caught, it caught me last year with the Colts, at least, to where, yeah, it's Tuesday, Wednesday night. I'm flipping the channels. I, I am. I'm still on direct TV, right? So I'm doing that. You pull up the guide. You see hard knocks. On the, you know, oh, let me see where they're at. Let me. What are they doing here? Oh, okay. This is kind of interesting. And, you know, there is some value to that. I do. You know, it is it is got a little bit of a different look and feel than the, you know, the NFL channel type of stuff that we see on there. Hard knocks, there is a little nostalgia, and they've done it for such a long time that, you know, there's a way they do it to where you go, oh, okay, it's hard knocks. Here we go. Uh, so I, I did see some value in it, You're, but but I, I hear your, your point. I definitely do. Hey, Control Room, when he says he's still on DirecTV, why don't you play the piano for him? Because I am exclusive streaming, baby. I am with <laughs> Times. I got YouTube TV. I got two YouTube TV accounts. It's, I, yeah, how I did that work so when there was multiple NFL games TV. on this year? <laughs> I, I, I was – was, well, you, know you know how it worked? You know how it worked? What? I got a screen. It's about 85 inches right across from there that has all of the games coming from NBC. Right. That's how it worked this season. Yeah, well, not, not when else we had like the double Monday night or make up a game, you had a problem. You had a problem then. That's when um, you had a problem. Uh, yeah. No, I think, we had, I think we still had access to the feed here on okay. the screen that NBC installed. Um, but uh, direct, well, I don't want to get into the whole direct TV, how expensive it is or was for me, but YouTube TV, much more economical and, uh, it has all the stuff that I watch. So yeah, yeah. regardless, I get direct TV, old YouTube TV. I'm with it, baby. You can't play the music. You can't play the piano for me when it comes to that. The premier league is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Cliff Kingsbury, one of the old themes. And, and look, I know how this goes. There's always people who get pissed off every year about it. They're, they're going to be pissed off about something. So you get to a point where you just don't give a shit, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so, uh, the voluntary workouts, OTA, phase three. This is where it's practice. We're talking about practice. We are. It's practice. And it's practice where offense and defense get implemented. Yeah. They get installed. Definitely. They do a lot of the work now so they can hit the ground running in training camp. A lot right. of value in the offseason program. There is. So, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. Fine. I understand it's voluntary. You don't have to show up. And I support players when they choose, for whatever reason, to not show up because it is voluntary. And if you want me to be there, make it worth my while. Give me a big workout bonus. Let's go to the bargaining table. Let's let's make these practices mandatory and let's get something in exchange for it. But don't expect me to show up and do stuff that I'm not paid to do. Last year, there was a lot of guys. A lot of guys led by Tom Brady, one of the biggest voices telling players, don't show up. So when when they don't show up, it's still newsworthy. We're not trying to shame them into showing up. But when, for example, Kyler Murray isn't there for the Cardinals and he's got a contract issue that is still unresolved, 
You don't just ignore it. You say, hey, it's voluntary, but it's also significant when the quarterback of the team yeah, isn't right. there. That's right. Yeah, it is we're not. We're not saying he's doing anything wrong. No. We're just saying what he's doing. No, that's right. You know, you, you, know, you, you, you talked about, like, you know, they're, they're not paid to be there, right? I mean, okay, yeah, I, I hear you. But they are being paid to do everything they can to be in the best possible shape and ready to go for the season. And to me, that this is a part of it. Now, I know I don't look at it and go, oh, man, he missed a day or two, and oh, no, that's trouble or whatever. But there is importance to what you're talking about. You know, the mental aspect of the game, getting the body moving, doing all of that, sure. There, there's definitely value in that. I, I understand guys missing. Sometimes, hey, there's family things. Sometimes, you know, maybe, ooh, I, I might want a, you know, a new contract, and I'm kind of talking about that, but I'm not 100% healthy yet, so let me, you know, or not quite totally in shape yet, so let me buy myself another week or two before I show up so they don't see me that way. There's a lot of things there, but to your point, there's, first off, there's not a lot of practice time in the NFL anymore. And this is valuable time. You can say what you want. Yeah, Tom Brady can get away with it. Well, okay, yes, you're 22. And we know he's going to practice and do the things the right way behind the scenes. You know, for the rest of these guys, um, I don't know if they're quite as professional as Brady yet. And I think there's still a lot of growth with some of these young guys that I question, why are you missing OTAs? I want to go, Tom Brady was not missing OTAs in year three. He definitely wasn't doing that. He was there, like front and center, Hand, you know, feet on the ground. Yes, coach. You no know, coach. Oh, let me write a note. You said this. So that's where I do think there's value, especially in your early years as a player in the NFL. But the bottom line is they are voluntary. They are. And, I know. And, and that's, that's the balance that the players have to mm-hmm. strike. And, and again, if you want to make it worth their while, offer them money to be there or make it mandatory. And for the folks who would agree with a lot of what you said, that they should be there because they're laying the foundation to get paid later. They should be there. I mean, th- th- that's, that's all well and good. I, I, I think yeah, there may not... be some folks out there. But let me, let me hear. Yeah. Here's my point. Yeah. Because we just finished the draft a few weeks ago. And, and, and I, I, here's, here's the folks who I think may need to check themselves. The ones who would be very staunch – it's voluntary, it's voluntary, quit talking about it. Why are you talking about it? It's voluntary, it's voluntary, it's voluntary. I bet a lot of those same folks are the ones who have no problem with the incoming draft picks being forced to do all this stuff under the guise of a job interview. It's just a job interview. It's just a job interview. It's a three-month job interview where you got to do all this crap and you don't get paid for any of it. It's an honor and a privilege, right? So there's a subset. There's an intersection of the fans out there who will say it's voluntary, it's voluntary, lay off them, they're starving, don't, you know, they don't have to be there. Oh, but it's, you know, for the three months that these incoming players are expected to do all sorts of crap, it's no big deal. So the bottom line is, I think anytime you're exerting effort above and beyond what you're required to do, there should be some, you're doing it for the benefit of somebody. There should be some benefit to you beyond it's good for you. Well, there's there should benefit, be something though. beyond it's well, good just for like, you. Well, just like I get it, but but there there is benefit. First off, they they are paying you to be a part of the organization and practice is part of football. I mean, I don't like what the off season's not free. But it's not required. But I it's not I understand required. it's not. You requ- get it per diem. I get it. I get deal. it. I get it. Well, that's because yes, now we've got into players' rights and there's only so many hours and all that. But damn, I mean. 
it's still part of the game is being, you know, practicing and being ready to go. I mean, for Kyler Murray specifically, yes, there's no direct check that's going into his bank account right now, but he wants to make $45 million a year and be that kind of quarterback and, and, and be that guy. Well, you know, Hey, being there with your guys, you know, maybe learning the new things in the offense, getting your, you know, feet on the ground compared to like what you're talking about, you know, now as compared to training camp, that might give you the head start you need to come out of the gates, play the way you want. I, I don't know. I just think there's still great value in all of it. And I don't think it could be replicated easy outside the building. It, it, it's a special team or group of circumstances that can really replicate that. Two points before we get to some of the specific guys who aren't there this year. Yeah. Number one, and I'm going to forget them because as I've been sitting here, it's like, what are those two points again? Right. Here you they are. Number one. Them down. Yep, go ahead. Number one. Number one. We say this every year, but keep this in mind. Guys are going to work out anyway. You're much better off working out yes, in right, the building. Right. right. Because you have insurance if you're in the building. Right. You drop a weight on your foot. You have some other freak injury. You get paid for the full year. Tariq you Cohn get if you were on another work. team. Right, right. You know. Yeah, if you you're, you get injured away from work and you're Juwan James. Arbitration still go. pending between James and the right. Broncos over working out on his own. The question is, did the Broncos supervise his activities enough that they owe him as if it happened in the building? Well, if you're in the building, you never have to get to that. Yeah, if you're that's in the right. building – you get your money. The other point is this. Before 2011, the offseason program was a lot more lengthy, Definitely. detailed, yes. intense. Right. 70 to 80% of the offensive and defensive playbooks were installed during the offseason program. Definitely. Which really allowed a lot of fine-tuning and preparation for the start of the season. What do we see now the first few weeks of the season? When do you want to catch the Patriots? You want to catch them early. Because Bill Belichick hasn't had a chance to really work his magic yeah. yet. Offensive line play, not where it needs to be. Defense, not where it needs to be. They get better as the season goes on because they don't have the same reps before week one that they used to have. And the reason that happened, plain and simple, NFL had the financial package that it was going to cram down the union's throats because the, the union got a great deal in 2006. The NFL was determined to turn the tables financially in right. 2011. So when the time came for the union to cry uncle and the union started asking for stuff that didn't cost anything, like reduced padded practices right. in season, right. reduced uh, two-a-days in training camp, reduced off-season program, the owners just looked around and was like, does that cost us anything? No, we actually saved some money. Okay, fine. What's this cost us? You want that? It right. costs us nothing? Fine. You want that? It'll get you to agree? And it doesn't cost us anything? Fine. And they agreed to all this stuff that makes it harder for the coaches to get their teams ready. Yeah, uh, harder to get the coaches ready. And, and listen, I, I, I think it's, it's still not good for the players. I don't. First off, the offseason program is not that grueling. It's not. You know, it, it, I, again, it's football. You're going to have to work out. We know that. But, you know, it's football. All right? And you're in the building at, you know, 7, 7.30 in the morning. Most days you're out of there by 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And you do it all again, and you're only going four days a week. You're not even going five days a week in the NFL at this point. It's usually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, or teams go Monday through Thursday, and then you get the three-day weekend a la Chris Sims style NBC Sports. So that's where, you know, it's not – it was never, you know, again, yes, it's football, it's Gruden's coaching me and stuff, 
but I never was like, oh, man, I'm so exhausted. And the other thing I would say, mentally ready to your point when training camp came, I just went, mm, I feel really good. I mean, I know he's going to add some stuff, but, man, I remember those coaching points and the things he said. And, you know, physically, you know, I, I got to think there's some correlation to injuries and things. Again, you're getting on the field. You're doing what you do. You're getting used to the movements of – oh, I'm playing a DB and I'm getting getting the body used to those movements that are then so abruptly going to be thrown upon you, you know, late in July as compared to the guy who's, you know, oh, I've worked out a little on my own and I've done some drills with my buddy who plays high school football down the street. Oh, wait, now it's time for the NFL and I got I to cover Terry McLaurin and, oh, my gosh, I got to turn on another gear. Oh, I pulled my hamstring. Oh, really? No, shocker. And to me, that's where I think there's value as far as the physical aspect as well to get the body ready for the NFL season. So if I understand you correctly, yeah. it would be voluntary if you were to show up on Friday, but it also would be good for you. So maybe you should show up on <laughs> that's, Friday. This is for football players. It's not for okay. not for talking on uh, NBC. But I do think now, that, you know, and I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I, I well no go ahead make your point. I was going to say well, I was just going to say there you know there is a lot of research and I think we hit on this last year where teams are starting to realize and there's people in the NFL that know this already that the teams that start to go we're going to be on the field only for an hour and we're not going to practice that much and we're going to do it four days a week getting ready for the Sunday those teams they're starting to see are the teams that are getting hurt more on Sundays because they're not doing enough of getting the body ready for, wait, we're going to be sitting there playing football for three and a half hours on a sideline on Sunday. They're finding the teams that actually do stay on the field. It doesn't need to be grueling the whole time, but are out there for two plus hours, two and a half hours that emulates the game a little bit more. Those teams are the ones that are staying healthier as compared to the teams that are going, we're getting off our feet and we're only on the field for 40, you know, an hour and we're out of here. And I think that's just an interesting aspect. Uh, sorry, I just had to bring that up. Coaches have to be very careful about what they can and can't say because yeah. baked into the CBA is the idea that coaches can say nothing to suggest that the yeah. voluntary yeah. workouts are anything but voluntary. And every once in a while, you have a guy who touches that third rail, and it used to be far more prevalent and blatant than it now is. Here's Cliff Kingsbury walking through the minefield of commenting on players not present for voluntary OTAs led by in Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray yeah we, we've talked to everybody uh, everybody we knew going in um, to the offseason the start of the offseason program who was going to be here what their schedule was like and um, when we expect them back would you like to see Kyler and Mark Hollywood together out there like, I've seen them together, live and in person on the other team, and it was not fun for me. So I know what it looks like. But, no, I think, like I've said before, I think as a coach, you, you want to have these guys here all the time. But it's just um, not how the rules are set up and different guys handle it different ways. I do. You get the feeling Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech saw Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown in that Second column. <laughs> the the lost column. Graphic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> End yeah. of the year. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, look, he handled it the right way. You have the conversations with the guys. And every once in a while you hear that, that there's a player who has an excused absence from the voluntary program. Well, they're all excused. They're all, there's no excuse necessary. But you'll hear that term. And, you know, you get the impression that they're in the loop and we know what we're doing and we know who's not here. But. In theory, 
you don't have to know anything. You just don't show up. We open the door and we see who comes. You know, it's like a, a shopper at a store. Who shows up? We'll see. It's voluntary to show up at the grocery store. It's voluntary to show up to work out. But they do try to talk to these guys, and they try to maintain the relationship. Because, Definitely. look, they are going to be there in two months. And 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 you, I, I, what does the offseason program mean? Well, look at the churn that constantly happens on these rosters. Guys are getting cut. Guys are getting cut based on what? They're getting based on it's doing, it's happening based on what they see at these voluntary yeah. offseason right. workouts. Oh, we don't need that guy. This guy's better than we yeah. thought. Let's get rid of him. Right? Yes. 100%. So so yeah. It's even though it's voluntary, it's still very important. And I feel bad for the kid who shows up and says, "Oh, I got to be there. I got to go. I got to try hard." And then they saw me and they 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 don't think I'm very good. And now I don't have to be there anymore because they told me to leave. So yeah. But, yeah. but that just shows you it it still is important to the process. That's where we try to walk through the minefield. Yes, voluntary. Right. But it's still important to the process of getting ready. Yeah, that, that that that's the point. I mean, it's just it's part of the team building process for the 2022 season. It starts now. the The lifeline of the 22 2022 NFL football team is is being built. You know, as we speak. So, you know that that's where you know you you like everybody there, and you know you get you you start your new mantra for the year. You get everybody on the same page, camaraderie. Oh, hey, here's a new wrinkle or two on defense and offense, and let's work on that a little bit and kind of go through the procedure of how we want to do that. There's all of that. But, you know, yeah, you could tell Cliff Kingsbury definitely walking on eggshells a little bit there. Yeah, I'm sure he's talked to Kyler Murray. But what's he supposed to do? It's a business. This is part of the business. And if Kyler Murray had a contract, he would be there. I, I would guarantee that if Kyler Murray had a contract, he would be there. But he doesn't, so this is his way of kind of, you know, giving them the two middle fingers and saying, no, no I'll practice on my own for now. I'm not going to give you my services until you pay me uh, appropriately. Well, and that's the key, too. This is the application of business leverage to try to get his contract, along with protecting himself against an injury that would happen during OTAs, and even though he would be covered this year with his regular season salary and also – also, his fifth-year option payment, which is fully guaranteed, yeah. you potentially undermine your long-term. I don't want to call it a windfall because it's earned. Your long-term major generational life-changing money is at risk if you get yourself injured during one of these off-season workouts. But again, if you're going to work out on your own, you're better off working out in the building. But it's part of the balance. I want my contract. I'll show up when I get my contract. Until then, I'm not showing up. And that that's part of the, the – they're all – all the reasons for not being there are legitimate. But it's very legitimate to say, I want my contract and I'm not showing up and putting myself at risk until I get it. Uh, Debo Samuel, that, that's got to be the, the prime reason why he's not in San Francisco. Now, we've kind of accepted post-draft that it's just a financial thing and it'll get worked yeah, out. Yeah, right. Debo Samuel has still said nothing to confirm – that, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll just work it out. They'll give me a contract at some point. And all that stuff I said about not wanting to be here, asking to be traded, doing this when they were walking through the club with the sign that said, Debo Samuel will stay with the 49ers. That didn't mean anything. He's yet to walk that back. So we just assume they're going to get it worked out, but I don't know. Bottom line is he's not there. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. He wants a new contract. That's one reason to not be there. Not wanting to be there anymore is another reason to not be there. We still don't know what is motivating him right now, Chris. No, we don't. I mean, we, we 
Right, he started to follow the 49ers on social media again, right? At least. Or, that's right, that's right. Right, that so we have following. that. Yeah, we got that. But, like, I mean, again, if, 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 this is one where it, I'm not going to be mad at the player here. I mean, it's as, when you read it out loud, okay, and you go, well, Devo Samuel, he's holding out. You know, he wants a new contract because he's on his fourth year of a $7.7 million contract, well, of course he's holding out because no way should he be playing for that. So I, I, that's, you know, again, as much as I'd like him to see him there and my friend Kyle Shanahan is the coach and I want them to do well, you know, this is a guy that's – he's blown away his contract. He he burned it, put fire on it, and bur- I mean put water on it and burned it again. I mean, it's, he's, he's killing it. He can't come back until he gets paid properly. He's the he's arguably the best receiver in football. He's the number one weapon on the 49ers football team, which is a great football team and, and a Super Bowl caliber team. And he plays the position as physical as any receiver we've seen in recent history here. So he can't come back until he gets paid. And I understand that. And, and I think you and I will both be in his corner until that happens. Um, I remember... Oh, my God, it was almost to the same day, May 22, 2013. Michael Crabtree playing with the 49ers, tears an Achilles tendon Ooh. at an OTA workout. I mean, that. look, if you're Debo Samuel and you don't have any protection beyond this year, at least Kyler Murray yeah, got has fifth year. his fifth-year option right. fully guaranteed, up right. near $30 million, $25 million, whatever it is. But for Debo, all he's got is this year. So if he would have some sort of a serious injury – during OTAs that wipes him out for this year, that contract goes away. It's even more imperative for him to basically keep himself in bubble wrap until he gets his contract. Pretty I much. know he's going to want to work out, yeah. but I wouldn't do anything until I get that deal, if even at this point a contract would turn it around. But you did remember I had forgotten he was following the 49ers again on social media. So that is something. If not following them means something, following them again necessarily means something. So maybe it is just a matter of time yeah. before they, they, uh, they give I feel like it. I mean, it, it feels uh, weird because it feels like where else does 25? it go? I know. Hey, you know? but they don't have a lot of cap space. I know, I know where they can get $25 million. Lickety split. <laughs> yeah. It's in, that, in that, uh, that cushion crack there called uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin, you mentioned him earlier, covering him at OTAs. Well, if you're a defensive back with the Washington Commanders, you don't have to worry about covering Terry McLaurin because he's not there. Here are Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera, coach and GM, not respectively. Rivera's the GM. No, Rivera's the coach. Mayhew's the GM. Never mind. They know who we mean. Here they are from before the draft talking about Terry McLaurin. We have, have had dialogue with Terry and his agent, have great respect for both of those men. And, uh, you know, we, we're really excited about the opportunity to have Terry continue with us for a long time. So we're working on that, and I uh, won't get much into details about, what the, about what's going on there. But we have been having dialogue. And whether, you know, this is done or not in the next few days or afterwards, it's not going to affect what we're thinking about in the, in the draft one way or the other. And uh, obviously it, it didn't. Um, you just have to wonder. You have to wonder. They added Jahan Dotson from Penn State yeah. with the 15th overall pick. Traded down a few spots. Could have one of the Ohio State guys yeah. to go along with Terry McLaurin. Didn't get him. But uh, they, you, how much does this regime feel compelled mm-hmm. to keep McLaurin? They uh-huh. didn't draft him. They didn't right. develop him. Right. And we saw what the Titans did 
with A.J. Brown. This is one of the ways of dealing with the position. You backfill with a rookie. You move on from the veteran. You flip him for assets. Are they going to pay him? Yeah. Are they going to trade him? He still could be traded. You know, these guys that haven't gotten their contracts yet could still be traded. We're less than a month from the end of the draft. There are still deals that could be done, whether it is Terry McLaurin, whether it is Debo Samuel, in theory, DK Metcalf, in theory. I mean, until those deals are done, there is a chance they're going to reach an impasse and just move on. And McLaurin has to be, I think, the the most likely of those three to be potentially traded because what did the Washington Commanders do? They drafted a receiver in round one. Yeah, drafted a receiver in round one. Drafted a receiver that's speedy like Terry McLaurin in round three last year and De'Ami Brown, who I loved and shows potential, had a little got a little injured. They got Curtis Samuel. I think the question you raise at the start here is the real thing. Where where do they lie in this, you know, conversation of the wide receiver? Because I, I you're I could see it going the way you're kind of talking about. Like, oh, maybe they're gonna be one of those teams that's gonna go, no, we're not gonna pay. We're gonna just have guys kind of coming up the ranks. We're gonna draft a receiver every year. Or you know, every other year, and just going to have people people filtering up the system that way. Uh, it's, they certainly are set up that way to a degree. Now, McCorn's really good. He is. He's a really good football player. He is one of the the best receivers in football. I don't put him in the class of AJ Brown or Debo or DK Metcalf. I know some people do. I don't think he has quite the physical ability they do after the catch to break tackles and make stuff happen that way, but he's a good route runner, and he can run by you down the field and jump balls. He's pretty good for his size. I mean, there's great value to the guy, but, Mike, I I think that's the question I I have. That was the number one thing is, you know, like, sure, yeah, they want to keep him, but at what price and what's he asking for? You know, is he asking for $25 million a year? I bet you he is. I would think he's asking something north of that. And that's, of course, a big commitment. And when you have three somewhat talented guys on the roster of receiver already, that might make you think whether you want to pay that guy or not. Another big-name player who we assume is going to get a big contract to reflect his value to the team, to reward him for what he's done, and – to compensate him in advance for the things he's still going to do. The guy who turned 31 yesterday, Aaron Donald. Uh, Here's Sean McVay talking about Donald's situation with the Rams. Remember, there was talk of retirement. There's been talk of a contract. Here's McVay talking about the best player on his team. Obviously, things are voluntary right now, um, but did just want to check in on if you guys have been in communication with Aaron. um, Yes, it's his birthday today. You guys wish him happy birthday. So spoke with, you know, talked to him this morning. So dialogue's been good. Um, You know, he's done a great job of communicating, you know, with with my relationship with him and gets a chance to spend, you know, time with his family right now. So I feel good about that. Bottom line is they got to pay him. They got to pay him. Yeah. Stan Kroenke, you got to pay him. McVeigh, I don't know when McVeigh got paid, if he got paid, how much he got paid. He had that leverage because Amazon wanted to hire him. Oh, he got I paid. Hope he, he got and it, yeah, I hope they – I hope they. T- I mean, you, you take, yeah. get it done then. Get it done then. Yeah. When, when the other window's open, that's when you get the deal done where you are. And uh, Aaron Donald's window was potentially retirement. We've gotten a sense he's going to stick around, but at the end of the day, they got to pay him. And, and he held out multiple years before he got his contract. He had deep – holdouts into the into the uh, training camp preseason window before right. he got 
his contract, and he is woefully underpaid. Cooper Cup is woefully underpaid. When you're going to be a great team like that, you got to start taking care of your guys. You got to find a way to do it. And I know you can't pay everyone, but you got to try. And uh, Aaron Donald deserves a hell of a lot more than he's getting. So we'll see if they can get it worked out. But, uh, and the other side of it, too, the other side of it, too, I was told this back at the time when that, that notion emerged. Rodney Harrison mentioned it during the Super Bowl pregame show that if the Rams won, there was a chance Aaron Donald was going to walk off into the sunset. Los Angeles, a long way away from Pittsburgh, a different world from Pittsburgh. It's different planets between Pittsburgh and L.A., frankly. I was on both planets the same day twice this year. It is a different world, and it's a long way away from home. And not that, not that he would expect to be traded to the Steelers. The Steelers could pay him or, or would, would give up the assets to get him. But I, I do think, you know, the Debo Samuel reality that we were talking about at one point, that he'd like to be a little closer to home. I think Aaron Donald would, heart of hearts, like to be a little closer to home, Chris. I don't, I don't doubt that. I don't. I just, you know, I don't know. If there's, I don't think it logically is going to happen right now. Uh, that would be my at least, you know, take on it. Uh, it this is one where I kind of like check the, or, you know, check the box to go, this is going to happen eventually. I'm not even worried about it. I mean, McVeigh talked to him yesterday morning, and uh, the, the lines of communication, I, knowing that group out there and how McVeigh is, that I would think, yes, they're making sure and checking in on Aaron Donald whenever possible. Aaron Donald is one of those, he's played long enough in football. He knows what to do and get ready and get in shape. It's not that imperative that he's there for the first week of OTAs or anything like that. And, you know, I just feel like you're you're basically committing suicide if you're the Rams, if you don't pay Aaron Donald and have him on your football team. I mean, he he's... He's arguably the most famous person in the history of your organization now. I mean, it's right. Am I, am I wrong to say that? He's probably passed up Eric Dickerson. You know, uh, Kurt Warner's going to tweet. Well, at Kurt you Warner and Marshall Falk certainly are in that category. Our awesome Deacon Jones back in the day, but he's in that kind of class of guy now, to where you don't let that guy out of the building by any any form of business at this point of his career. So I just think it's just a matter of time before they figure you out. You mean this. like they didn't let Eric Dickerson out of the building? Was well, that, yeah, that like was a that? different regime. I just think this is a little different regime than that, uh, that one of the here's, the here's the other side of it, too. I put no stock in anything Sean McVay says because he's never going to tell us the truth. He's never going to give us a real assessment of what's going on. If it's dire, he's still going to find a way to smile about it and say everything's great. This is fine. He's the sure. the, the, the gif of the this is fine where the house is burning all around him. I mean, come on. Um, but that's fine. That's who he is. So that's not the most reliable source of information because he's going to always be overly flowery. That's my point. Um, but they just got they got to get him taken care of. I agree with you. They're not going to let him go, and uh, he deserves a lot more than he's getting. And he's proven in the past that he won't show up until he gets whatever it is that he wants. Matthew Stafford not throwing at eight OTAs and may not do so until training camp. He had an anti-inflammatory shot in his throwing elbow for an issue that he had last season yeah it's it's look it's easy to again you always get the flowery version from mcveigh and company oh yeah it's just yeah elbow is a fairly important part of the overall throwing mechanism christopher i i i would be a little worried about matthew stafford and this elbow if he can't throw at all during otas and he had to have a shot now three months after the last game i'd be a little concerned 
Yeah. If I was a Rams fan. Right. I'm not saying there's yeah. anything dire going on, but it's not normal. It's not normal. He's not 100%. And they, they, there's something going on in there that they're worried about. There, there was something going on towards the end of last year. There was something going on in the middle of the season last year. You know, that was part of the – when we were all talking about Matthew Stafford being banged up and, yes, he was dealing with a little foot and ankle issue and it might have been ribs or shoulder. He was definitely – the other issue he was having was a little tendonitis and throwing elbow. There was, there was a little of an issue there. Sounds like, and I don't know this, but sounds like, yes, you took, you know, season's over, you take some time off, and then he started to throw footballs again and went, damn, this thing's kind of still sore. It didn't go away. So then you get the shot in the elbow, and that's never a great thing. It's not. I mean, an anti-inflammatory in your elbow is, is just, it's not. There's a lot of science that says it's actually not even that great for your ligaments or anything. But obviously they felt they had to do that. So, yeah, now he's going to rest it up. I, I'm with him. You know, I'll be a little bit like, oh, damn, he's still dealing with this? Like, that, that, that maybe makes me think there's a little more to it. But we'll see where it goes. And, yeah, it's going to be all, you know, rosy and everything right now. But I, I hear you. There's a little concern there. I would be. So, of all the guys we talked about, the one guy who isn't participating has a legitimate physical reason. But they all have legitimate reasons in their own right. It's all voluntary. They don't have to be there. And the guys that we've discussed have contractual reasons to not be present. And once they're taken care of, they're going to be more likely to participate. Before we take a break, though, I am compelled. I am compelled. Let's play a little game here. Yeah. Let, indulge me. I, we've already gone 52 minutes. Let's go ahead and, and, and take it another minute or two. Can we put up the photo of the styptic pencil? We're going to do a little prices right here. I got a question for Chris. The styptic pencil which is a horrible business model when you consider the fact that the, the shaving technology has gotten to the point where you rarely get cut. Like, how often do you need a styptic pencil? This may be part of inventory from 1975 that they're selling. But I have found the styptic pencil online. Chris, is it over or under $5 for the travel size styptic pencil? I'm gonna over go, under $5? I'm going to go under. I'm going to say it's three eighty-five. Close. $2.95. $2.95. You can yes. buy it now on Amazon. Right now, you can buy a styptic pencil for $2.95. Gosh. And it's that. It's that. It is that. It is the club man. Well, I don't even. What do travel you, size. What did you do? What, if you had a cut, what do you, I don't even understand. What does it do? It just, I don't, what you is s- well, I, I've done I've done a little more research. Styptic pencils contain aluminum punk compounds and are used to stop bleeding. The most common use for styptic pencils is to treat small cuts caused by shaving. When applied oh. to the skin, they harden or coagulate the surface oh. of the wound. Oh, the old, however, the old aluminum, however, aluminum on the cut trick. That sounds like however, not good for you. They, <laughs> hey, let, me, let me add this. They are not meant to be consumed. It oh, may cause really? You mean aluminum? We shouldn't consume swallowed. it. But put it on your skin, your open skin, and... See how it works. Yep, that, yes, that does sound like something that was, you know, built a long time ago. <laughs> so you're saying Tom Brady wouldn't use a styptic pencil? <laughs> Absolutely not. Either the avocado version only. All right. <laughs> uh, now, uh, a guy who probably carries a styptic pencil around in the pocket of his hoodie, because I have a feeling he cuts himself shaving from time to time and he dabs his face with the styptic pencil. Bill Belichick was asked some questions yesterday about who will be calling the plays on offense this year for the Patriots. It did not go well. We'll let you hear and see what was said when PFT Live continues right after this. We're all- 